This morning's scripture reading is from 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 through 8. 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 through 8. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Good morning and welcome to our worship service. We're grateful for your presence. I trust that each and every one of you had a very happy Thanksgiving day. I'm sure that all of us enjoyed the time that was afforded us with friends and family members, the good food that we have all eaten, and we hope and pray that those who may be on the road will return safely to us. We're going to be looking this morning at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, the passage that Thomas read just a moment ago. And I want us to think for the next few minutes about facing death confidently. None of us likes to think about our own demise. Death is a subject that we would probably prefer to not think about, and that's understandable. And yet we know that we live in a world in which people are literally slipping into eternity every second. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, we read of Paul confidently looking to his own demise. And so with that in mind, I want us to think for just a few moments about what Paul has to say in these closing verses of chapter 4. And bear in mind that this is Paul's last inspired letter to Timothy, a very close friend, a child in the faith. And so Paul said in verse 6, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. The first thing that I would call your attention to has to do with his words of farewell, his impending departure. Paul realized that death was imminent, and those of us today, we understand, we know, we believe that one day we too will walk the corridors of death. Unless Jesus comes first, you and I, we can rest assured that we will travel that lonely road. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, the Bible says, It is appointed unto man once to die, and after that cometh the judgment. It is very sobering to think about our own death. And yet there are individuals in our world today, they understand that they have some type of terminal disease, and so they begin making preparations, setting their house in order. As Hezekiah was instructed by Isaiah the prophet centuries ago, when Isaiah said, set your house in order, for you will die and not live. 
we know that death is coming. Historians indicate that the Apostle Paul was put to death at the hands of Nero Caesar. And so Paul said, I'm already being offered. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. Paul knew that he was about to slip into that eternal realm that eternal realm where there is no coming back. In James chapter 2, verse 26, James said that the body without the spirit is dead. There is a lot of interest in our world today about individuals who have sometimes made the claim that they have died only to be revived or resuscitated and then make their way back to planet Earth. Now I know that clinically and medically speaking, there are individuals that have been pronounced dead. And based on medical science, there's no pulse, there's no heartbeat. But you and I know that scripturally speaking, death is the cessation of life. It is the separation of the body and the spirit. And once that spirit leaves this body, it is not coming back. That is scriptural death. And so, Paul here said that his departure was at hand. Scripturally speaking, when you die, you are not coming back. No chance of that. But then there is a second thing that we want to point out in our study. This has to do with his fight. Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Christianity entails a fight. As a matter of fact, when you and I live on planet Earth, we understand that difficulties are a part of daily living. Even though we may belong to the body of Christ, we are not exempt from difficulties and trials and tribulations. Paul experienced his share of difficult days Look back at verse 10 in chapter 3. Paul, in writing to Timothy, said, You have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Now there are people today that have the idea that if they become a Christian, if they are a part of the body of Christ, then they are automatically exempt or immune to any kind of difficulties. That's just not the case. No, the case is, or the fact of the matter is, that when we obey the gospel, we are stepping into an arena wherein we as God's people 
must fight the good fight of faith. There are many people in the body of Christ today that have the idea that Christianity should be a bed of roses. Examine the life of Paul. James said, count it all joy when you fall into manifold trials. Have you reached that point in time in your Christian life when you can joyfully accept the various trials and tribulations that come upon you? When Paul pleaded with the Lord to remove his thorn in the flesh, and he said he did so three times, but the Lord responded by saying, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Sometimes when we face difficulties and trials in life, we learn to lean more heavily upon the Lord. And no doubt the Apostle Paul learned to lean on the Lord. I think about the various difficulties that we face in this life, and sometimes those difficulties go hand in hand with disappointments. You ever been disappointed as a child of God? I think about people that at one time were faithful. That is, they were servants of the Most High God. They had been baptized into Christ. They were regular in their attendance to worship and Bible study, but today they're unfaithful. Think about all of the disappointments that, fought, that the Apostle Paul faced in this life. In his first letter to Timothy, he speaks of Hymenaeus and Alexander, of whom he said made shipwreck of the faith. In his second letter, he speaks of Hymenaeus and Philetus. And he said, these men erred concerning the faith. They were teaching that the resurrection was already past. And he said, they overthrow the faith of some. I believe that was a disappointment to Paul. To think that here were individuals that had made shipwreck of their faith in the Lord. And then we read about Demas in verse 10, of whom Paul said, he has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Disappointment, no doubt, in his words in verse 16 when he said, At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. And then he goes on to say, May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. I said that we face disappointment disappointments, we face difficulties in this life, discouraging situations, and yet sometimes those difficulties can bring about within us a resolve to trust in the Lord come what may. Paul's trust was in the Lord. And so Paul fought that good fight of faith. Fighting the good fight of faith means standing for the right doing what is right, even when it is unpopular. 
We live in a day and time in a culture that wants to be politically correct on every issue. I do not believe Paul was politically correct. No, Paul sought to hold fast and live faithfully to the Lord. Let me just pause and ask this question. Are you fighting the good fight of faith as we speak? When Paul wrote to the saints in Ephesus, he said, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. You and I, we are in a spiritual fight. Paul said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The devil wants to destroy you. The devil wants to see you give up your faith. That's why Peter said, he walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The admonition is that we are to resist him steadfast in the faith. Paul talks about equipping ourselves with our Christian armor. Too many Christians today are pacifist. In other words, they do not want to engage in warfare. You and I are in the fight of our life. And unless we stand tall and hold fast, we cannot make or we will not be able to boast like Paul that we fought the good fight of faith. Paul said, I finished the race. He said, I have kept the faith. Think for a moment about the faith. Jude talks about contending earnestly for the faith, that comprehensive system of truth that has been once and for all delivered unto us. We call it the Bible, the doctrine of Christ. Paul said that he had kept this body of truth. There was dedication in the life of Paul. Two things come to mind. First of all, Paul was a man who was focused. Are you focused in life? There are a lot of people in the world today that are not focused. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people in the body of Christ who lack focus and direction. I'm reminded of individuals that get caught up in the world. They're members of the church, but they get dis distracted by worldly things. And so they take their eyes off of the cross. They take their eyes off of the church. And before you know it, they're no longer faithful. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of his kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you 
If you're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you're going to be focused. Think for a moment about what Paul is saying here. Paul is writing and literally staring death in the face. Is it not the case that death tends to bring life more clearly into focus? In other words, does it not help to crystallize what life is all about? Now, when you get to the end of this life, do you want to look back over your life and say, well, I was an unfaithful, unproductive member of the body of Christ? I failed to keep the faith? Or do you want to say, I lived life to the fullest? I was focused. I was dedicated to the cause of Christ. I was faithful. I lived every day in service to the king. Paul was focused. And here's the truth of the whole matter. If you're not focused, heaven will not be your home. You have to make preparation now if you want to be in heaven down the road. It's not something that we just accidentally happen upon. But rather, it is an intense desire to live in such a way so that one day we have that beautiful home that Peter describes as incorruptible, undefiled. He said it fades not away in 1 Peter 1. But now think for a moment about Paul's future. In verse 8, here's what Paul says, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. Paul here speaks confidently of the future. His destiny is heaven. When Paul wrote to the church at Philippi some six years earlier, in about A.D. 62, he said, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. In verse 23 of chapter 1, he said, To depart and be with Christ is far better. Now, that's not typically how we view things, is it? Many of us want to do everything within our power to live. We do not want to die, and that's understandable. We enjoy life on planet Earth. We're not looking to take the next bus out. But all of that aside, Paul looked forward to death. You see, he said, to die is gain. To depart is far better. How could he say that? Because Paul knew that to die would be to usher him into the presence of the Lord. John said, blessed 
are the dead which die in the Lord. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Paul looked forward to death. In a very confident way, he could speak of that crown of righteousness, which I believe suggests unto us his great fortune. There are a lot of people in our world today, they've got a lot of money. They've got a lot of property. They may have great financial holdings, but I wouldn't trade places with them. Not because there's anything inherently wrong with their money, their land, their corporations. Not because I wouldn't enjoy some of the things that they have. But I wouldn't trade places with them because they do not have the hope that you and I have as Christians. You see, they have a lot in this world. They have stored up a lot on planet Earth. But as Jesus said, they're not rich toward God. Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew 16? What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Let me ask you this question. Would you sell your soul? Is your soul for sale? What would you give for your soul? Would you give up your soul to be great in this world? To, to become rich, famous, prominent, powerful? Would you be willing to sell out for those things? You and I today, we have to understand that life is not just about things. It is about living in such a way so that one day we can spend eternity with the Lord. Paul said, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness. That is the Stephanos, the victor's crown. Don't you want that crown on that great and final day? Look at what Paul says. What's the Lord, the righteous judge will give to me on that day. The Bible says in John chapter 5, verse 27, that the Father has given the Son authority to execute judgment. One day Jesus will judge us. But here's, a, here's something you need to think about. Jesus will be fair and right in his judgment. Centuries ago, Abraham asked the question, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? One thing you can take to, to the grave, Jesus will do right on the day of judgment. Now the standard by which he's going to judge us is this book we call the Bible. 
That's why we need to make sure that our lives are in harmony with this book. Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my word, the same shall judge him in the last day. We need to make sure that we're following this book. This is the map that will lead you from planet Earth to heaven. If you close this book, ignore it, reject it, repudiate it, you're not going to like your eternal destination. We're going to stand before a righteous judge. And listen to what Paul says. He said, Finally, there is later for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Not only was Paul saying that there was a crown of righteousness awaiting him, but he said all of those who will follow him, that would include us in the faith, who will live as he lived, who will serve as he served, we have that same promise. We have the same hope, the crown of life. Jesus said, be faithful until death. And I will give unto thee the crown of life. Revelation 2 at verse 10. Link that back to verse 7 where Paul said, I have finished the race. It's not enough to start the Christian life. You've got to finish the Christian race. It is a marathon. It is not a sprint. We are in it from start until finish. Until the finish line. There are a lot of people that have earthly confidence. They're confident in their abilities. They are, they are extremely confident in the realm of business or on the athletic field. But when it comes to spiritual things, they lack confidence. Sometimes as Christians, we feel like we're boasting if we make the statement, I know I'm saved. Well, we can know we're saved. John said, these things I have written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. Wouldn't you hate to live not knowing, uncertain, unsure? You and I, we can be certain we can be sure. How can we be certain? Follow what the Lord said. Jesus said, in terms of becoming a Christian, we must first of all believe in him. Except you believe that I am he, you'll die in your sins, John 8, 24. And Jesus said, if you die in your sins, where I am, there you cannot come. We must be willing to repent and be baptized into Christ for the remission of sins, according to Peter in Acts 2, verse 38. The Lord will then add us to the church, Acts 2, 47. And Jesus is the Savior of the church, according to Ephesians 5, verse 23. 
How confident are you in your soul's salvation? Do you have the assurance of heaven? Are you faithful to God? If you're not faithful, why not come home today? Why not come back to the Lord who loved you, who died for you, who is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance? On Wednesday, when I arrived in Nashville, I was just making my way into the city, and I got a telephone call. And Nancy was telling me to not take a course that we typically followed to get to her parents' house. She said, the reason there's been a terrible accident. It turns out the accident was probably a thousand yards from her house or her parents' house. Her parents live just north of Brentwood, about three miles, two to three miles north of Brentwood, right off of Franklin Road. Franklin Road is a very heavily traveled piece of land in Nashville. And apparently, two individuals traveling northbound had crossed the center line and hit another car. And so, when I got to Nancy's parents' home, she and I walked down to the accident site. And it had been a horrific crash. Two people were dead at the scene. One person later died. That accident occurred Wednesday afternoon. Now, I doubt those people, when they got up on Wednesday morning, gave any thought to being in eternity. But they today are in that eternal realm. Life can change in a heartbeat. I do not say that to scare you. I simply say it as a fact. You and I, we could be alive and well today and in eternity the next hour. And so as we close, are you confident about your salvation? Can you, like Paul, say, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness? When I stood at that crash site, and as I reflect back upon that horrific crash, what comes to my mind is simply this. It didn't matter where they worked. It didn't matter what kind of home they lived in, what kind of automobile they drove, what kind of clothes they wore. None of that mattered. At that point in time, the only thing that mattered were they living for the Lord. Are you living for the Lord? If not, come as we stand and sing.